Yes, this is John Robbins. I'm John. I play fighting games, Robbins, of the Chains Buffet podcast. The podcast where we're now going to talk about Peggle 2 all day, all night. This Can is, we just uh, go with that open? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. That's fine. Wait, you're saying that we're not talking about talking Peggle. Because though. that sounded exactly like it. That is just how I talk. I always and, introduce myself by saying, I like fighting games. Yes, and and he always wears a monocle, which I pictured when <laughs> when you were talking. I thought that man is wearing a monocle. And guys, in- if we don't say our names, how will people know? They don't listen anyway. Along with me is Dylan. I am disappointed, Wolf. Yes, I'm Dylan, and I'm very disappointed in everything. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> As well as Charlie the Hammer. Yo. Last name. I don't know his last name very I, well. I, I'm on the social media. <laughs> I don't get the tumblers, though. <laughs> so we, uh, we're talking about uh, that uh, Hammercon? Uh, about that, uh, I don't know. I think it's called anime. We, we, we got somebody like else with this, though. It's about, uh, like, Goku's. I like Goku's and the and the moons with the sailors. Oh man, they cute. Although I can't say they're too cute because they're kind of young now. But when I was younger, oh my goodness, let me tell you. Back when I was their age. <laughs> oh. That's the great thing about Sailor Moon, though. I keep getting older, and she stays the same age. I am Dylan, and I am disappointed in everything. I'm not disappointed. I'm just realizing that this is no, this is no, a real no, thing. No, you're Basil now. Wait, what? Yeah, Go back. yeah, yeah. You're Basil now. I'm Charlie. Yep. Charlie's you, and Basil's me. Wait. Yep. It's yeah. Process of elimination. You're Basil now. You are uh, director of awesome. Yeah. You may have gotten the best, uh, the best dealt the best hand in this case. So 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 Basil, by Basil I mean me. Um, you know, tell us about Hamicon. Well, first I'm really going to say, out of all the announcements of E3, the most important one was in fact the announcement of Peggle Two. I am looking forward to some <laughs> Peggle Two. You don't even want to talk about your own con. <laughs> no, I want to talk about. Some Wait, we do too. have a lot of shit to talk about. That, um, that actually says a lot about Peggle. Because as I soon as as soon as I. Uh, as soon as I got back from Alabama, I was sick for like a week. Thanks, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so yeah, we we weren't really able to do a timely E3 podcast or anything like that, which is fine because there's been so much crazy shit that Microsoft has done in the intervening time um, that you know now now we have had time to get all the information and uh, get some thoughts together, but yeah. But- and faster than John Kerry. Boom! Politically, or what? What? <laughs> what? Um. So Peggle Two. Peggle oh, Two. So, I'm so looking forward to Peggle Two. You, you don't even know. Like, I'm, that's not even joking. Like I've <laughs> spent dozens of hours playing Peggle and Peggle Nights. Like it's one of my favorite games that has several years. Dozens. That's that's I, quaint. I uh, <laughs> man. I play Peggle like John plays fighting games. Not only what I'm doing, but when the music hits in the end, I'm loving it. Unless you, you've had hundreds, possibly a thousand hours on uh, Peggle 2, I don't think you quite play it the way I play fighting games. Look, I played it with a fight stick too, right? All right. 
that I believe. Like, he also like, plays naked. He plays naked. It's true. It's true on Xbox Live. It's great. Peggle 2 is not Dive Kick, though. Dive Kick was in the, uh, the, the Sony press conference opening. Dive Kick. Dive, dive Kick. kick. The there are only two moves, Dive and Kick. Makes uh, sense. In, in Marvel, we play for money, but in Dive Kick, they play for souls. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Peggle 2. <laughs> Fuck Peggle. Man, I'm really hoping that it's like, although with the whole, you know, plans for Zombies 2, with the whole iOS and free to play and to pay for stuff that's not just buying the game. I, I, I'm not down with that. I just want to pay my 20 bucks, get my Peggle 2, and enjoy You're life. You're going to pay 20 bucks for that shit? I'll pay you, 20 bucks. Better than doing nickel America. and dimed on microtransactions. When it's free to play, it's free to play for me. I ain't buying shit from you. <laughs> nah, they'll put in some like you can only take a move every five minutes. That's fine. I got time. <laughs> <laughs> it's your move, Peggle Two. Although, admittedly, I would hang out with some friends of mine, and they apparently just bought Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three. And it, it was a joy to watch them figure out the game as they were playing because they never played it before. Yeah. And they're like, well, what does this button do? Oh, I think that changed the color of the character. And then they're playing the game like, oh, I just hit a button. And what, what was that? Oh, my God. <laughs> they, the, the, the Sentinel sends out other Sentinels. I don't know what's up with that. And then they got the colors, and one of them looked like the New York Knicks. I don't the know. The sense of childlike joy and wonder. Oh. Oh. What the hell just happened? I don't know. I I remember when Marvel Three first came out. I spent the entire day just learning zero combos. No one else, nothing else, just all zero all day. And why wouldn't you? That's that's why I'm the best at zero. It's just the other other characters I need some work with. You're number one at zero. Yep, I'm the best. There like no one ever was. Yep. To beat Chris G is my big test. To shame him is my cause. Wait, what? What's going on? Um, <laughs> You'll travel across the land, journey to Alabama. To Hamacon to uh, have the guy that's running your game room tell me that I'm running other people off. They don't want to play me. <laughs> Hamacon! Oh! Gotta catch the... them all. Wait. <laughs> Actually, that's that's strangely appropriate, considering you had the uh, Hamamon. I don't remember the actual yeah. name you gave it. Oh, Hamabral Z. Hamabral Z. Okay. Battle Good job, Dylan. It it's been several weeks. That's not an excuse. And the ground humping sailor moon. Shout outs to the ground humping. Oh sailor. my gosh. Hey, major respect to the ground humpers out there. I, I didn't believe I am gonna... not legally allowed to talk about ground humpers. <laughs> I I didn't believe you uh when you said it, Charlie, but I'm so sorry, Basil. I'm so sorry for what this is about to become. What no, it it's a thing that happens. Let's just all acknowledge that it happened. <laughs> so we can we move can... on. Exactly. We can we can all go on with our lives after we acknowledge that there was a ground humping sailor moon. That was that was one of the first things you saw because uh, I liked how everything uh, this year was sort of centrally located inside of that grand hall, 
Um, but that was one of the first things you'd see, because as soon as you walked through those doors, there she was. I think she was there officially to welcome you to Hamacon. By please, please, please allow our ground-humping Sailor Moon to welcome you to Hamacon. Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Well, it beats that TARDIS. Yeah, oh. there is that. Oh, I suppose the, the the views are expressed by Basil are not the views of Hamacon rabble, or rabble, our anime. stuff. Right. Is, is this like a rabble rabble not anime thing or rabble uh, Slenderman rabble rabble crap? Is it on specifically the about Doctor Who? Okay, it is. A, it is a when the the first thing you when you walk into what I've now called the Hamahama Plaza, you know our giganto room that we had stuff in. The first thing you see. It would have been nice if it wasn't a TARDIS. Hey, hey. You had you had to find some place to put it. And though it is indefinitely sized on the inside, it has a very specific shape on the uh, outside. We had plenty of space. That is if true. we That's... had one thing we had at this con. I would have, I would have liked space. a uh, giant Totoro. That we'll actually see what we can do. I know that's that. That is a fair point. That is, that is a very fair point. Not, I mean, was it? Because you're, not, you're not face that had like the giant inflatable Pokemon. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. That, that's that, but that's a fair point. I mean, because you're not judging Doctor Who or any of that. You're just saying that it'd be nice if that wasn't the first thing you saw. So I mean, that's uh, as a Doctor Who fan, I, I, you know, I, I have to agree with you there. Like, I'm not saying to not have it. Yeah, exactly. Just don't have it as the first thing you see. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you. But you know what's that... weird? I, I, I see like the TARDIS at a lot of anime conventions. That's apparently. I don't know if it's the same group that does it or if that's just a thing people do. Hmm. I have a feeling it's a thing that people do because nowadays with media, people tend to be all-consuming, and when they go to a convention, they kind of take that all-consuming mindset with them. Yes. So Unless... it's not surprising that, you know, pretty much, I, I think at this point, people kind of expect all anime cons to all just be multi-cons, even though they're not. Yeah. Britain is the new Japan. True. I don't even know if it's even that. I think it's much more widespread than that. I think stuff like, you know, stuff like, you know, for example, Homestuck, that's not from Britain. But that's no, really but popular, I'm thinking you know, that's from hell. I'm thinking of yes. Doctor Who and Sherlock, yes. But well, no, there's Doctor Who, there's Sherlock, there's the Avengers, there's Assassin's Creed. There's I'm... a lot of things that you see, uh, no matter what con you go to, that's kind of irrelevant to whatever the con's actually about. Yeah, you're making a good point. I, 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 it really is a case, I think, of like you say, people go to a con. Well, people go to a convention, and it's their excuse to to get their nerd on. And regardless of what they're into, they want to experience all of it because they may not get that opportunity again for a while. Well, I mean, I can't say much because I do a lot of non-anime things at anime cons, but at like masturbate. No, no, at that's the, that's very much an anime thing. Uh, good point. Uh, no, I'm here, the corner of a table. Now every, every yes, yeah, I was gonna I've say, seen now, Ava. Now every <laughs> right. con is going to feel unclean to me. No, but I do a lot of non-anime things, but I don't expect that the con like cater to those. I'm 
pleasantly surprised when those things are there. But, you know, like, I'm not trying to ram that down everyone's throats. Well, yeah. Um... I'm I'm gonna start wearing for, like a 49ers Kaepernick jersey to anime cons. Start start Kaepernicking with cosplayers. Oh man! Like if you could get sports fans, to, I I know we're going like totally off, but like that just that that totally ch- turns everything upside down when like people start you know dressing like they would dress to go to a football game. I, I'm I'm gonna paint myself up for uh, the devil is a part timer, like you know, Amelia the hero is number one or something. Have a giant foam finger. Is that a thing that happens in the anime? No, I, but you know, it's it, it would be like you know dressing as as a sports fan would for an anime convention. I'm gonna be shirtless. It's gonna be you know 20 degrees inside. No, no, no. I meant actually like wearing sports jerseys and stuff. Uh, well, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. And we lost Basil. No, I'm here. Oh, are we? Okay. Who did we lose in? Because it says there's a problem with this call. Did we lose anybody? I'm still here. Oh, I think we lost Charlie. No, not Charlie. Oh, well. That's Skype for you. You'll, in theory, be back? In theory. I don't know. He did say that his uh, internet was wonky beforehand. Anyway, um, while we're waiting on Charlie Dylan, uh, what did you do at Hamicon? Um, do you want me to start at the top or? Yeah, start at the top. Uh, let's see. I think the first thing, the first panel I went to was the Persona panel. Um, or at least the first thing I've got in my notes, which was, was weird. That? I was about to say, I don't think you've ever played any Persona games, so how was I that for you? didn't, but I think it was just like there was nothing else going on at that block that I really wanted to do, so I'm like, oh, I'll sit in on this. It was interesting because they actually got into the, like, the psychological concepts and the, like, not necessarily the psychology of the characters, but how the either the setting or the mechanics or whatever we're referencing. I want to say young, Jung, I, Carl Jung, yeah. Carl Jung, yeah. Uh, the mythology and kind of the connections to like tarot, tarot. Mm-hmm. I'm not pronouncing anything today. Um, but it, it was really well researched. I don't know enough about either the connections or persona itself to like, evaluate it but well um persona 4 say for instance um one of the major themes of the entire show was um the characters were being pulled into the tv world and each time they went into the tv world um the level that you would play in to save that character was some sort of reflection of their um their subconscious um it did get into that. I Like I said, I didn't write down the details, but it was... They got really deep into that sort of thing. I don't think they mentioned that specifically, but... Um, I want to say, like, the personas were either the... 
kind of like corresponded to the idea of the mask you show other people or they were the the real self. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I didn't I didn't take notes for this, but it was so I don't vouch for the accuracy of anything I'm I'm saying. I could not, That's okay. That's okay. I could be doing the panel complete injustice here, but um anyway, that was interesting. Uh after that well, okay. I went to the Laugh Out Loud improv panel and they actually did they did several panels and I know we talk about this every con we go to because that's like one of the big things that Charlie and I like going to. So, you know. Um it's another one of those non anime things. Uh they they actually did one of the one of the um performances they did, which I think you went to, John was on the next exciting episode. Yes. Where they showed an <laughs> I, master, of, I, I masterminded that whole thing. That is right. I can't remember the... Oh, yeah, you told them what characters... Are. Anyway, yeah. they showed an episode of Tiger and Bunny, and then um, they had the audience come up with what the characters in the next episode were going to be and what the plot of the next episode were going to be, and they acted it out. Yes, and and I successfully masterminded the whole thing because I've already seen uh, Tiger and Bunny and knew all the characters and everything. Um, so when I read the description. I'm like, oh, I've 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 got this. So with Charlie's help, and Charlie is currently restarting his computer. Um, with his help, I was able to uh, have the improv portion uh, be that uh, Fire Emblem, who is a very 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 homosexual. Uh, superhero in the show, and Blue Rose were doing a uh, rap music video because Blue Rose is also a performer, um, and and that was the whole second episode. So it, that was pretty terrific. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It it was interesting. It was a good way for that group to like, considering that they do a lot of anime cons, to actually bring it into anime. And I, I Basil, I don't know if that's like one of the things people tend to complain about um like having non anime content in anime con but it seems kind of like a nice you know middle ground honestly at this point i don't know who complains or who does not complain about not having anime content it's more of a case of at hamacon we like to because we're an anime con we like to do our best to keep it as anime con as possible like, it's not going to be completely possible. We are the, uh, for example, in Georgia, you have Anime Week in Atlanta, you have Dragon Con, you have MomoCon, you have Station Con. You know, thanks to things like having MomoCon as well as Dragon Con allows AWA and especially Station Con to stay on point to be more pure anime cons. AWA, from what I can tell, they because they're so big, they draw so many people already. They kind of have to give a couple of panels to not anime panels, anyways, just because they get so much. For something smaller scale like Station Con, they pretty much you look at their your schedule. It's pretty much all anime and manga and some Japanese culture like all the time. Yeah, we can't we can't <laughs> quite do that. We don't have quite the same breadth of convention experience to have in Alabama. So we can't go, no, only anime, period, 100%. But we do try 
to give you know we'll, we'll throw we'll throw a couple of bones but we're not going to throw nothing but bones well i like that it's kind of a balance you guys seem to have a balance between not being like you know strict and uh you know it's a non-negotiable it can't be outside of anime but at the same time still not just saying well yeah anything goes um well, it's it, it's also a case of you also we're we're only going to do a couple of panels, like you know, especially like maybe one or two panels a day, period, out of the whole day. We yeah. will dedicate it to stuff that's not purely anime. It's like one day you might you you know one day I think we did you know Slender Man and League of Legends. Then the next yeah. day we did we we gave the Homestucks a panel and the My Little Pony people a panel. You gave the Homestucks a hobo alley, and I enjoyed that. <laughs> Did you actually go over there? I didn't. I didn't see anything like. No, the hobo alley was the stair, the stairwell oh, leading back to uh, the Embassy Suites. Shout out to Embassy Suites too. That was a very nice hotel. Yes, uh, it was. We actually had an actual named hobo stuck or hobo, uh, Homestuck Hobo Town like actual area only it was only labeled in the actual map and it was the also the unofficial kids area where <laughs> it was off to the corner where there was this couple of tables sitting by themselves with coloring books oh of course um, it was. well and it's it, what's interesting is that that has gotten us the most divided feedback where just many people are going like, oh man, you gave us a spot all to ourselves. That was awesome. To, I can't believe you tried to throw us, throw us all in one area just by ourselves. That was terrible. That uh, definitely wasn't to round you all up in one place and uh, <laughs> execute you all. No, but I was going to say, if I was going to do that, it would be like, you know, some sort of homestuck brony thing. Yes, and then... Well, we have ideas how to improve upon the idea next year, perhaps with a nicer name. Yeah, I think it. I think that's interesting, though, that you got feedback from both sides, because it's like if your community is so insular that you do not want to interact with other people, that may be a problem. Just call it it Area 12. All the, cate- all the category 12 crap. Oh. Like, oh yeah, District well, 12! No yes. <laughs> well, that, that John said, I think he's referring to my, my panel system yes. on how we accept things, which if people don't know, is that my, my personal, this is more of a basal thing than a Hamacon thing, but we sort of follow by the same guidelines, is I put most AnimeCon panels in categories 1, 2, or 12. Category 1 is stuff that directly is about anime and manga. So if you see an anime panel or a manga panel, those are category ones. Category two, it's a little down the line. So you have stuff like Japanese culture or, you know, stuff like cosplay or tea or whatever the who. So you want to go to Japan, those kind of panels, you know, stuff that or video games, stuff that, you know, is very much in the wheelhouse of Japan but not quite, you know, purely just about anime and manga. But then you go all the way further down the line to 12. 
And that's where you got the stuff like Avatar, Less Airbender, and Mile Point, Doctor Who, stuff that's so far away from ones and twos, they might as well be twelves. <laughs> and those are twelves. At the same at the same time, I'm surprised they would complain that like you're trying to stick them in a corner because there is more to life than Homestuck. I mean, I'm not saying that from a perspective not of for these people. You should not. enjoy other fandoms, just like Get outside, Sonny. Well, it's it's one of those cases where, you know, Homestuck's again. Homestuck is a twelve. It's it's so far outside the purview of anime and manga that it doesn't really have a place in an anime con by by itself. I mean, it, it gets a place because it's really popular with a certain small but very vocal and honestly in fandoms a large demographic. And so we thought, well, what would be a good idea is perhaps, you know, let them have their own spot where they can go hang out, do all their homestuck things and have their own little spot. That way they can do their stuff, but it is somewhat away from everybody else where it is, you know, their thing. And that way they don't have to worry about other people dealing with them if they just want to go hang out and do their thing. Yeah. I guess and what I'm so- saying is if, if they're... Th- they're going to do their thing for the entire convention like you know like there's only so far we can go to well cater to you it's it well well I, mean, I feel a spot is you know is is more catering that a lot of cons get will give oh yeah you know a lot of cons will just if you're lucky they'll give you the panel and that's it you know and and that's fine and we have what things we had tons of space that room is gigantic, and we've only begun to think of ways to fill it. Like, there was still a ton of open space in that gigantic plaza. Yes. Yeah. Although the difficulty with that is because, you know, it's just like a big room. You have to kind of give some space just so people can hear, you know? So. Well, it, it's true, and it's, it's, it is, and we have... The layout next year will also be different than this year. This year, we really just, you know, it's a case of we looked at everything thing on paper, did the best thing we could do that looked, well, that looks good on paper. And now that we've actually done it once, we go, okay, well, that worked. That didn't work. Well, that kind of worked. But it might work better over here. And so you'll see a different layout, uh, which is handled, hand, be handled by people way smarter than I am. Or at least things that I don't have to deal with. So it's awesome. I actually thought it was a good layout. And I felt like you guys, you're kind of in a position of growing pains. Like there's not a good venue for where you're at, like where you're at now, but you're, you're at a place that will support you, you know, you're, you know, a couple of years down the line. So it's actually a good problem to have to figure out how to use the space better. But you guys did a really good job this year. Well, thank you. And and it is nice to know that we have this area. And A, we can make use of this area. And we have plenty of room to grow into that area. Where we're not going for another year and going, oh God, we outgrew it again. Yeah. Oh God. It is nice to know that we actually have now a somewhat stable place and a stable, you know, convention growth where we can actually grow it out properly. It's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Charlie, what were some of your highlights from Hamacon? 
Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. It was all excellent. Those were my highlights. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I was gone for so much of the call that I. Well, we we talked I just started about... walking down my list of which panels I went to. So yeah, feel but... free. Oh. Yeah, we talked okay. about the uh, the on the next exciting episode panel. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Um, pain train. What I called of it. Best pain train yet. Uh, <laughs> it was so good. Mostly because of the costuming and choreography. Because you thought, okay, you know, the videos were still great, but you can only go so far. But I think what really brought the show to the next level was the costuming and choreography. The, the conductor's hat. Yes. And uh, the, the uh, dance to thumbs up. Yes. Um, I think that needs to become the staple. And in fact, maybe... Maybe what the pain train should end with is thumbs up, after which Basil, as the conductor, leads the entire audience out of the room, dancing two thumbs up, and then through the convention space. That's that's where with I think a, that With a boombox on his shoulder. That yes. would be kind of hard, considering because we're in a convention center, we once it hits midnight, the pumpkin, it, it, it turns into a pumpkin. Where Scarecrow's there, like, you gotta go. We are no longer getting paid to watch you. You gotta go. We're locking up. Actually, there Screw was you kind of, all. There was there was kind of a funny moment where one of the security guys is like, hey, make sure that door closes because homeless people will wander in. Yes. <laughs> it happened. Because we're just standing around and he's he's wanting us to uh to start monitoring the situation because his shift has ended. That was that was pretty great. Um but no, uh, and then doesn't really yeah. sell Huntsville. Yeah, but and then on the next exciting episode, that was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed that. I I really, um, I'm really glad you guys got the the laugh out loud people because I I love seeing them. Um, so any any opportunity is good. So that's that was cool that you guys brought them in. Um. I went. I had, I'm trying to think. I, th- I probably went to all the same stuff that Dylan's already gone over. No, because I think I, I started with Friday, and I don't think you were there Friday. You, yeah, you started with the persona. Of the um, and, yeah, we haven't really uh, talked too much about. Um, let me hit a couple of things Friday, and then I will let you guys yeah, yeah. jump. Okay. I guess. Let's see. Um, also, glad you guys brought uh, Grego back. Yes. Pressure luck was great. Um. I went to Micah Soliasad's Geek Out panel, which seemed like it was a little bigger than it was last year. Although, in a lot of cases, it depends on the audience, because I kind of felt like he was just getting a lot of uh, questions this year, like, do you like Fandom X over Fandom Y? You know. What, what, people wanting to be, uh, have their fandoms validated by some of the elves. Yes. It's, it's so unfortunate, because last year it was, you know, it was really great that yes. he went into I'm not even into Avatar but he went to that into that in depth because that's like what something he's into that's that's content that he can provide that you know just a random person listing off fandoms is not yeah. provided hey, that's still 
do you want to, you know, how do I be a voice actor? Okay. Yes. I will, I will take yes. fandom validation over how can I be like you, the panel. Although I'm pretty sure I, okay. either he or uh, Caitlin Glass got questions like, what's it working like working with Vic Mignogna? What's like, I don't care about you. I just care about the people you're working with. Um. Either that, or it's a uh, it's a thinly veiled attempt of hey, talk shit about person X, Y, or Z, please. No, I don't think this was this. Anyway, I'm. But no, I I will agree that I will take validate my fandom, um, which should be the name of the freaking panel. No, actually, a panel. There no. should be a panel called Validate My Fandom, where people come in and say, Done. "Hey, do you like this?" And we Done. just go, "Yeah, that's a great fandom. We Done. validate your fandom." I, I'm um, I'm go- I'm gonna run that panel. I like this idea, but no, I I would take okay. I will I will say that I will agree. I will t- I would I would take that over. How do I be you? However, only because validate my fandom is slightly more novel, and at some point after hearing that enough, I would reach the exact same point with it as I would with how do I be you. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'll do a reverse voice actor panel, and uh, ask the audience questions. Like, at, you know, be like, "Okay, what do you do for a living? How do I be you?" Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. What's it like working like... with so and so? Do you know <laughs> this person? Do you Do you know Ned? You know, <laughs> I, I'm 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 seeing something here. We're We're talking about you know David accounting. I, I like I like th- there's kind of a general theme emerging from this podcast. We're talking about all of these different fandoms interacting, be they anime, Doctor Who, whatever, and, and you know bringing sports into the mix and asking questions like, why don't we just call this real life con? Wow, you go to talk about real life, like how to pay bills. I'm we're yeah. we're gonna run a panel on paying your freaking cable bill on time. That kind of How thing. How to talk to people over the phone. Nice. Etiquette with the uh, people in customer service. Do autistic people have money? Because I feel like we could make a lot <laughs> in con memberships from high-functioning autistic people. Dylan, feel this one for Dylan us. Dylan has money. Dylan is mildly I'm autistic. Not... <laughs> no, I'm not. No, he's well, severely autistic. Moderately. Let's be. Let's be. Let's be generous. Oh, but that okay. That 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 brings up one thing though. The geek out panel is that somehow I managed to go the entire convention and never see Micah Solusad. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that made me deeply sad. That was I don't know where he impressive. was. He'll be at Did... StationCon, money. I believe so. Yeah, so we'll we'll have another we'll have another swipe at Micah maybe. Cool. StationCon. Hamacon's guests of last year. <laughs> no, they had Station. You, they had, had, did you like Did uh, you like Hamacon the first time round? Here's the leftovers. Hey, if they had Jessica Strauss uh, at StationCon, I'd be extremely happy. But they don't. But they do have Tiffany Grant, so I'm I'm also happy with that. That's that's pretty good. Actually. I I would like to interview her, although I don't know. You mean like Hamacon one? Boom! Whoa! Oh. Hamaburn! Oh, I can't. Hamacon guests two years ago, three years ago. I feel so sorry for them. Like they, they are definitely like the me of the podcast or the uh, con circuit. 
Dylan of Conventions. The Dylan of Conventions. We're just going to call them funny names. They'll be okay with that, right? Sort of. They'll learn to be okay with it. Oh. Cram those feelings deep down inside. <laughs> Coming next week, our uh, wrap up of uh, Dillingcon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already looking forward to it now. Oh, did this just oh. get real? Uh, Dillingcon is going to be got good. real Dylan. Real Dylan. Anyway, I interrupt. Continue. With Dillingcon, Making... the official hashtag of Fun of Sationcon. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, it's awesome. Yep. All right, come on, guys. Congratulate my convention more. Come uh, on, let's keep it going. Let's see. I, I'm trying to think of ways to do it to avoid all the common convention talking points because everyone knows I went to the gaming room and I went to Grego's game shows. Um, I did enjoy some analog gaming this time, which I don't normally do. We played uh, Lords of Waterdeep, True. which was amazing. That is an excellent. I was, and this isn't, I guess, the convention. This is the game, but the game was a huge surprise. And this was literally us walking, like Charlie and me walking by, and because we did it twice, and I think you were commenting yeah. like, "I'd really like to try that." Well, yeah, because they, because we did it. We walked by on Saturday, and it was actually like, I think they actually had it laid out, and I thought, okay, that does not, that's not a dungeon crawler. That's a D and D game that is not a dungeon crawler. <laughs> Okay, we might have to come back and look at that, but then we didn't get ramp back around to it until Sunday when we had some time. And I was walking around, and I don't remember who I was talking to, but I asked where you guys were, and they said, oh, they're over there playing board games. I'm like, where are they playing? Lords of Waterdeep. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, we just sat down. We were like, yeah, well, I, I kind of find it funny that we're, like, giving this all this, like, a game that came out last year, you know, we're giving this all this praise, and, uh, you know. Well, I, I'm a sucker for anything Forgotten Realms. Really. Only only barely talking about the convention. Like, Hamacon was great because of... Well, th this is the stuff you do, and it's part of the Well, convention. but here's the thing. Okay, okay, we can, we can bring this back around to Hamacon, is that it was, in many ways, brilliant. I, I thought that analog gaming, which is usually let's be honest, shoved in a room somewhere as far yes. away from the rest of the convention as it possibly point. can be. But you had analog gaming right there front and center. Um, yeah, I mean... all kinds of purposes. You, you couldn't miss it. Like you, you, exactly. Like that in the video gaming room, you could not miss where they were. You, you knew immediately as soon as you walked in, you saw them. It's like, okay, there's not a panel I'm interested in right now. Um, but, you know, there's one coming up in an hour, I've got some time to kill, I can go here, and I can play this game. Yeah, exactly. actually, they just had the games out on the table for you to kind of look through. And, and they you know, had people this, around yeah. that knew about the games and, yeah. and could tell you a little bit about them. Yeah, and the, and the great thing about it is that, you know, it's great for the Foundry because people could just walk by and see games that they had and, and stuff like that but it was all but it was great for the people if you sat down to play a game because you didn't feel again like you were completely separated from the rest of the convention i mean that is true 
Yeah, you you always you could be sitting down playing a game and never feel like you were missing the convention because you sat down to play a game. Because that is why I tend to avoid gaming during conventions. It's like I'm committing like several hours. I'm committing the equivalent of several panels worth. Yeah, right. to doing this exactly, and that may be one of the one of the maybe it was unintentional, but in maybe also one of the more brilliant innovations that the big room and and Hamacon have been able to to do is to be able to integrate stuff that that at a lot of conventions just feels very separate, very isolated, very like, yes. oh, I've been in a room for the last few hours. You run the risk of it being too noisy to really True. hear, also, but it, we never it was, had that problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying you run the risk of it, but at the same time, like when it works, it works. And it did, which was great. Um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of one of the great things about it is that not only that, but not only are you not isolated, but it's also easy to let people know where you're going to be. Like, um, yes. you know, somebody else wants to go through something. It's like, okay, I'm going to be here at this spot and they don't have to be like, okay, now where's the, the, the video gaming room? Where's the analog gaming room? I have no idea. No, it's Walk right around there. in a circle. You will find it. Yes. Yeah. That was actually pretty cool because... Um, I mean, having heard about it beforehand, how things were going to be set up was one thing, but actually being there and seeing it in practice, it worked, I think, a lot better in real life than even I would have thought it would of just it being described. Um, I really did like the, uh, the video room. I didn't go there very often. I did see a couple episodes of uh, Tears to Tiara. And the thing that they did with the video room that I thought was a great innovation was that they told you about the show in advance and, you know, why they chose the show and what it's about. And Tears to Tiara was interesting because it started out life as a Japanese PC game. And they added all this really interesting uh, European mythology into the show and... um you know, the guy went through explaining some of the legends that uh, are in the show and uh, did some research and kind of let you know what all was going on beforehand. So it's like, okay, now I see what they're going for. And it really made the show a lot more appealing than if I just walked in there and, and started watching. I'd just been like, oh, this is a random fantasy anime. Hmm. That's cool. Um. Was there anything else you guys had that that really came to mind? Because I do want to talk a little bit about um, E3 as well. Um, but I also want to make sure we give uh, Hamacon its proper due, because uh, it was it was an awesome time, and uh, Basil took care of us, and uh, we we had a lot of fun. Although, uh, you know, I I as everyone knows by this point, I don't tend to go to a ton of panels. I tend to just uh, try and do a, a, a wide scope of things. So. Mm -hmm. well, that's cool. Um, if y'all have any questions or even complaints or anything, you know, that's cool. Like, you I, know, I don't think that the complaints I have with Hamacon are anything that you guys can control because my biggest gripes are always related to the Von Braun Center itself. Mm. Um, because uh, just just the fact that you know, it, like you said, it, the convention center turns into a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah that's. Other than that, that that I guess probably is the biggest 
complaint. And again, it's something that's not even in your control. So, yeah, the, you, you guys are limited by being in Huntsville, and that's the place to hold, the, you know, that event of that size. And yeah, there's not, yeah. there's not any place bigger or better at this point. So, but for me, it's also kind of a plus where I know that as soon as midnight hits and we turn, we turn into that pumpkin. That means my staff gets to go sleep. Right. And, and that's an excellent point. There is kind of a benefit to that as well, because, you know, you aren't as hard pressed to give up doing something later in the day to do something early. Yeah. That I, I, I can see. OK, I can I can actually see your point on that, because I mean, how many the one the cons that that go or parts of them go pretty much around the clock? You know, you see how haggard the staff looks Sunday morning. Yes. Although uh, a lot of that has to do with Saturday night too. Let's. Uh, yeah. Well, we're a show about Saturday night. We're not going to talk about Saturday night. I'm just saying. I didn't say <laughs> you per se. You. <laughs> but other persons of interest. Yeah. Like the false basil that was running around. Oh my god. Shut up, cold basil. Oh my god. That was ah. Uh, Man, later on, a few week, a few weeks after, you know, like a week ago, like so, a few weeks after Amicon, the guy goes like, "So did you take my picture?" Nope. And I'm like, "Me? Like, yeah." And then she have a camera at Amicon. I'm like, "No." And that guy looks like me. I don't look like him. That he is the false basil. <laughs> Beware the false basil. The, behold, I opened up the seventh seal and saw the false basil arise from the mists and. You can pretty, read all pretty, about them in the Bible. Exactly. I'm pretty sure the false basil, the arrival of the false basil, the anti-basil, if you will. Don't take um, my word for it. It is probably a herald of the uh, the end times. Probably. Although I will say that one of some of the biggest complaints we've gotten is is been a recurring. It was too cold, and man, that's like the best complaint if that's your complaint. Yeah, tell me about it. You have that many people in one place, and it's too cold. And, and I bet it's be- okay because of this. Probably a co- probably a combination of the big room and it being too cold. Um, how often did you catch confunk? Like catch a big nose full of confunk at uh, him? Oh, 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 I thought you meant like being Con-cru. sick because yeah, I I definitely caught the uh, con crud. No, no, but but how often did you get like just a huge whiff of con funk at Hamacon? I don't think I ever it was, did. It was mostly just me, you know, like later in the day, and it's like, man, I gotta get back to the hotel and shower. Yeah, but you're the only person that's ever had con funk that's ever had the thought, oh, I need to get back and shower. Well, you know, I I do try. It's, it's almost like you're human. Almost. Not in one one day I'll be a real boy instead of a reploid. I mean, what? I don't know, a lot of people are saying stuff. Yeah, a lot of people are yelling. Um, uh, Shout-outs to, uh, to Carl Horn, though. Um, not only does he always yes. give a good uh, panel, but I I thoroughly enjoyed our, our interview with him. Um, yes. I really wish we could have talked for hours, because uh, he, I, he's just... It's, it's, I think I maybe asked five questions or something that entire interview. It was just me winding him up and letting him go. Yes. yes. I that's, freaking love industry guests. That's why we get them. Because, man, they're the, they're the secret best guests. 
Um, it's, people just don't realize. They I just think, don't know. I think they don't. I think it was Neil Nadelman was at AWA one year. He's really good too. Like he's he's fun to talk to because I went I went to a panel where he just talked shit about Eureka Seven, and I I I fell in love with that man. He's on my short list. I'll put it that way. That would, that would be fun. Like there is a uh, as the. Director of Awesome for the Huntsville and Madison Anime Convention. Um, one of my things is I am the guy who sort of headhunts for like industry guests and stuff. And starting this year was our thing with a with a featured panelist, which we started off with AWO because we wanted to make sure we had some of the best panels, you know, around. Right. And and they know how to do good ones. Uh, but you know, that's that's something that I want. You know. We can't quite afford the Japanese guests, but we can at least afford to bring in someone who's actually in the industry to go give a couple panels and be around and give us an air of prestige we don't normally have. Right. Because <laughs> we're there. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, chainsaws can be very prestigious. Buffets, <laughs> less so. But chainsaws can be very prestigious. And... It's also something that because that's sort of my thing that I feel that's important, not a lot of cons in our area think about that. Right. And so it also does give us something that we can dif differentiate ourselves from other conventions is the fact that we want to focus on the industry. We want to make sure we have, you know, top shelf panels for those who are interested. We've got them. In addition to the, the fun guests like Grego or our voice actors, or sorry, voiceover artists. Is, is there and a difference? They, uh, they're, they're all artists. I, I, um, I think it's the fancier name, I guess, more or less. You can also, you know, it doesn't matter if it's actor or actress when you say artist. Or savant. Yeah. Can we call them savants? I, I think we might get away with calling Micah Solosada savant. He's kind of, kind of is a savant. He's just kind of, you know, he appeared in Hawaii, just, you know, fully formed as a, you know, voice actor. <laughs> and, he just, and then just made his way somehow to, to Texas and now voice acts for Funimation. I, I, so. I think the uh, Hawaii thing is just a backstory. Show me the birth certificate. Wow. <laughs> the best part is it is also Hawaii. Yes. I, I'm a Micah Solisod birther. I don't believe he. I don't believe he's real. I think he just manifested uh, in a test tube, like Spring from the I, head I, of Zeus. I, under somewhere in Houston, there's a giant tank of Micah Solisods. Uh, if he dies, he can be replaced. <laughs> They're all swimming around in the orange tank. Um, Talking about Kenshin. Yep. <laughs> and Transformers and an Avatar. And uh, Doctor Who. I hope he listens to this. I, I'm gonna tweet and it a right now. I, I'm I'm doing that right now. You guys go ahead and talk. Um, <laughs> like man, Micah's the best. Yes, yes he, he is. is. Like he is, you know, he, he was one of the people that we really lucked into on our first year, and there there's a reason why we've kept him ever since. He seems to genuinely enjoy going to these things, so. I mean, oh, I think that's a plus. He he he's he's no more or less a geek than any of us, including about anime, and that's that's something that's you know special and precious and rare, and you just want to bundle them up and hold them tight and tell them it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's okay to like anime. 
Wow. Tweet sent. Um, you can follow us at Chainsaw Buffet for uh, more insane tweets to voice actors that may or may not remember who we are. <laughs> Chainsaw Buffet, home of the drunk tweets to VOs. <laughs> no, the problem is we're completely sober, and that 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 does that. There's no excuse. Yeah. There's no... We're sober and which... not teenagers, so we're we're adults who know what we're doing here, and it's. It's kind of sad. It's a little dark when you think about it. Speaking of which, um, for those of you guys, you know, who are going to Seishun, um, I'm already, you know, sitting Micah Solsa down for a uh, awesome cast about level E. So, okay, well, we awesome. we might join you on that if if you'll permit us to. Well, that's why I mentioned it. Okay. Well, then we're the, <laughs> He's well, just everyone, showing off. everyone on this call is going to be here, so that might turn into another recording that whoever's listening to this now might hear in the future. That's right. Just dropping, just dropping future bombs that will get edited next year. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. Although I'm gonna have to try no. and make a, a an attempt to watch Lovely uh, on Funimation's site this week then, because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, think I will too. It's it is in fact a really good show. Like I, I like it a lot. It's also in like twelve episodes, so it's not too long. Okay, well, I, I should be able to bring through that in a day or two. If Basil says it's good, then you you can take that to the bank. Yep, like Inferno like, Cop. Yes, yes, and most things that I show in my Getting Your Anime Groove Back panel, which I think I'm going to rename at some point to give the illusion that I'm doing something new, but I'm really not. <laughs> well, I think I think when you first came out with it, it makes sense to call it something like that but then if you give it several years in a row several at the same con then you can pretty much assume anyone who's gone to it the first time has gotten their anime groove back or at least no longer needs um needs to come at it from that angle yeah so i think i'm gonna i am still gonna continue doing an anime recommendation panel but i'm gonna name it something different also, something that doesn't quite indicate music. Oh, as that is true. I got my uh, anime group back when uh, Satan started working for McDonald's. It's a pretty good show. I I enjoy it. I enjoy the hell out of it. Sadly, Funimation's web player sucks on my new monitor, so I don't. I haven't actually really watched it since then. I need to. I need to download the app or something. It's on Hulu. I don't. I don't use Hulu. Well, it, it's there. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I can pay, I don't, with the money I pay to watch stuff, I might as well just hand Funimation directly my money instead I, of just going through Hulu. And I appreciate that. I can see that, yeah. The problem is that Funimation's web player still sucks. And the big issue is that I actually have an ultra-wide monitor. I don't have the normal 1080p monitor. Mine's extra long. And the Funimation player doesn't, can't figure that out. It's so far, it's the only thing that hasn't. And so it'll try to do like a full screen and it'll cut off the tops and bottom, which includes the subtitles. Oh, so either I watch it windowed or I don't watch it at all. And that's not very fun, but I believe they they've got decent apps on their on the uh, Android devices. So maybe I'll do it that way. But they need to hurry up and come out with a freaking app on either well, on PS3, I don't care about Xbox anymore, but on PS3, so I can just do it all on PS3. Speaking of Xbox, uh, how about the X- the uh, Xbox 180? So well, what happened? Not... 
you're not quite get it. You're not quite get as X boned as you were before. Well, uh, Charlie, what happened is, as you may be aware, um, back in May, uh, Microsoft revealed the Xbox One, and you know, at the time they just talked about TV and sports and Call of Duty and Madden. Um, but after the event, uh, members of the gaming media wanted to talk to people at Microsoft about actual games, so they asked questions about, um, rumored, uh, DRM for disc-based games, um, because there were all these features like being able to, um, bring up a, be in matchmaking for one game. Um, while you're playing another game and switching in and out between the games, which doesn't make sense because you'd have to have both games installed onto the hard drive and, you know, you might have to switch disks or something, except, as it turned out, uh, everything was going to have some sort of DRM where you had you had to install the game from the disk onto the console, basically making it a digital version of the game, and they had everything connected to the cloud, so... Um, when you sold the game, um, you had to delete your version of the game uh, from your console before anyone else could use it and all that. Um, well, it, well, I feel that you're painting it way more simply and way more intelligently than they, they ever did. Yes. Because, for example, they were like, you'll be able to sell back your games to you know, appointed, you know, retailers. (laughs) And they asked them, well, how's that going to work? Well, you can trade and sell your games into appointed retailers. All all of our information is at this blog post. And I I got that a lot because I was asking them questions because um, one representative was saying one thing, another representative was saying something else, Xbox support was saying yet a third thing. Um, Like, so it was really a case of Microsoft had this not very good message, but and they were then further going around it, telling it really badly. Yes. Really badly. Anyway, um, that was not met well because um, nobody likes the idea of having DRM forced when you're buying the disc. Um, and and the I, I'm going to get into this here in a minute, but uh, there there were certain ideas behind that. Um, anyway. E3 comes uh, a couple of weeks ago, and what happens is uh, Microsoft has their their press conference, which, which I said, you know, it it was pretty good, but it was, you know, it wasn't spectacular, but it was definitely the conference they should have had in May, because they showed off Titanfall, they showed off um, Metal Gear Solid Five, which is what they opened up the conference with, which was a very smart move considering all the clusterfuck of PR that they had had before about you know them not actually showing any games, um, and they had some other stuff, um, more EA uh, stuff. EA was very prominent, and and this gets into another discussion. I'm I'm saving for a minute, uh, and they're like, okay, and and we're coming out, you know, in November. Um, at four ninety nine. Okay, well, everybody's like, okay, cool, we're gonna go to Amazon and pre-order our Xbox, you know, because if you think you can, you can do better than five hundred dollars for the, for all this, you know, go ahead. So, 
Ubisoft has their conference, EA has their conference, Peggle 2, blah, blah, blah. Yes! Peggle 2! <laughs> and then we get to Sony. So hyped. Now we're still... You mentioned Peggle 2. Like, oh man, guys, Peggle is... It's like Pachinko, but for Whitey's. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, totally it's, it's, it's a Pachinko my... that Paula Dean can enjoy. It, um, it fulfills my... Old, my wish I was an old salary man in Japan tendencies. Only like rainbows and unicorns. It's amazing and old to joy. So, oh, okay, here's the, here's the question. If I wanted to play Peggle, where should I go to play it? Uh, PC. Steam? <laughs> yeah, I believe it's on Steam. That's how I play my version. I I, I bought it on Steam. Okay. And there's Peggle and Peggle Knights. Um, you only really need to buy one of them to figure it out. It It is, in fact, a sh- extremely simple game. Um, they do give you various powers you can choose from that'll, that'll jazz it up a little bit. But it is, for some reason, just this silly little casual game that has just enough depth to, to have me hooked like no one's business. Okay, I was just curious because, like, you know, I know nothing about Peggle, and I'm not sure why Peggle 2. I, I, I feel like I owe it to you to at least... Try it. Uh, okay. Well, we have we have wasted way more time on Peggle than I care there, to. There's nothing wasted. <laughs> uh, nothing. Anyway, Sony's press conference awesome. comes, <laughs> and they show off um, the Order 1886, which looks interesting. It's uh, basically steampunk, um, kind of sci-fi stuff, um, set in 1886. <laughs> Um, they show off, um, more kill zone, uh, more, um, oh, uh, infamous, uh, second son, which yes, looks really cool. Peggle 2, I mean, infamous 3, yes. Peggle second good. son. Well, <laughs> yeah. like, that currently is the game that's currently have me, has to be sold on next gen. It and, looks so good. And of course, um. There was um, the rather amazing sign of the apocalypse. Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced at the Sony press conference. Um, Coming one of these decades. Along with uh, the other great lie that Tetsuya Nomura has been telling us for years, uh, Final Fantasy 13 Verses, which is now uh, Final Fantasy 15. Which I thought it was funny that people were complaining about the trailer for that because that's just the trailer he showed like two years ago for Versus Thirteen. It's the same trailer, just you know. And they're like, "Why does it look so bad?" I'm like, "Because they just ported this over from the PS3. It's they 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 still got a little you know brushing up to do because they just ported that over to their new engine." Well, and you know, and I've went on record with a friend of mine, and I I made him a bet with dinner because I'm cheap. But I believe that Persona 5 will come out before both Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 15. I think Persona 5, even though it has not yet been announced, <laughs> no, will Persona still Fi- come Persona out. Persona 5 has, has been announced by Atlas, but they have not done like any sort of teaser trailer or reveal trailer. They announced um, sometime around the start of the PS3 era that they had begun development, but that that game has also been MIA. The closest thing to Persona 5 we have is Persona 4 Arena, because that actually is a sequel to Persona 4 in terms of the storyline. 
but I still believe that will come out before the other ones do because I mean you look at Final Fantasy, you know, 13 Lightning Returns. That's even that by itself isn't coming out until next year. Like that one's already gotten delayed. And shout outs to Allie Hillis. You get, know, get that woman paid. <laughs> so if that comes out next year, it wouldn't be surprising to find out that Final Fantasy 15 doesn't come out until 2015. Right. Well, Final Fantasy 15 probably won't come out to, until 2016, uh, along with. And Kingdom then Hearts. who the hell knows when Kingdom Hearts Hill comes out? Probably for the PlayStation 5. Yeah. <laughs> I think I tweeted that. I think I said Kingdom Hearts 3. Or no, I, I said uh, Final Fantasy 15 confirmed for uh, PlayStation 4. You know what I, I find interesting? Or PlayStation 5, I'm sorry. Though with like Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy just assumed to be delayed, with all the support that Sony is giving to like indie developers and smaller developers and even people like... Uh, you know, the people who are developing Persona, well, the Persona series, I almost said Persona 5, but anyway, my point is, like, I wonder if those brands really diminish by doing this. You can't keep, you know, just, like, putting off your next uh, game and I disappointing your fans. It. I think with uh, Final Fantasy it does, I don't know that... Persona is sort of a smaller franchise, and it's a offshoot of the Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, I mean, it's never gonna brand. like overshadow Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy, but it seems like Kingdom Hearts Three really is uh, this generate like this generation of people. Uh, it's their Duke Nukem Forever. Duke Nukem <laughs> Forever was two generations Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> yes, no, this I, one I, and the last one. I, this one I, I and really... ours. I really feel that Final Fantasy now 15 versus verse 13 feels way more the appropriate slot for the Duke Nukem Forever because much like Duke Nukem Forever, that's a game that was been announced that actually had trailers. You actually saw gameplay, but then, and that was before the PlayStation three had even come out yet. And the game's still think, not out. I think, yeah. Uh, Kingdom... Whereas King Kingdom Hearts three, yeah, it's now been announced. Yeah, you know, everyone knew we would eventually get it, but it was never announced until now. And this is really, I felt, was him going like, "All right, guys, we gotta get people jazzed." And this is really the prelude before we finally start seeing a remake of Final Fantasy VII in development. Like, I, I feel that SquareSoft has had two, you know, gun, you know, two bullets in the chamber, you know. In case of failure, in case of bankruptcy, and then one of them was Kingdom Hearts three, and then the big bullets Final Fantasy seven. Yes, I, I'm so not I, saying necessarily that, that one's still that one's still in the shell. I just wonder if like Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts becomes like Star Wars. Yeah, you're gonna see the next movie, but you're not like super pumped about it. It's not like in '99. I, I think I don't, I don't think it's fair to compare Final Fantasy that way though because. I don't look at Final Fantasy as one um, cohesive franchise, even though it. I agree. It is. You... It's it, every game's different. Um, so, so we're gonna see Final Fantasy fifteen two and Final Fantasy fifteen three where we, you know, fifteen finally comes out because they finally figured out that there's money to be made in expanding these worlds they're creating. Well, I, I actually do think that there is a there is a bit of a 
franchise fatigue with Final Fantasy. Because I think Final Fantasy thirteen did, in the end, burn a lot of people. And then you look at the whole Final Fantasy fourteen debacle, where they had to completely scrap the entire MMO, rebuild a brand new MMO from the ground up, still call it Final Fantasy fourteen, and that's probably where all the resources went that they were going to use to make Final Fantasy fifteen, which they don't have, so they need a Final Fantasy fifteen. Well, that Versus thirteen thing exists. And I have talked to people, you know, before, and a lot of fans going like, yeah, I guess I'll try the next thing. But it is very similar to Star Wars fatigue that I have seen from people here and there. But Kingdom Hearts, because I think they constantly did the whole portable thing where there was Game Boy games and DS games and then PSP games and 3DS games. For a lot of people, that was just stuff in the background. But as soon as they heard Kingdom Hearts 3 on a console suddenly it was a whole different ball game and then suddenly everyone's hearts go you know, go leapt up into their chest and they're like oh my gosh magic's happening and boy are they in for a surprise yeah and because it's not is that i i wonder because i wonder how much the that sony had to do with that because um, it really seemed like they had their their shit together for that uh, press conference and anybody who saw that sort of uh, foot on the throat of Microsoft, uh, uh, their their uh, CEO show come out to stomp them in the nuts instead of well, whatever <laughs> song they had them come out to. Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3 are both multi-platform games, and they'll, yes. they'll be hitting the X, they'll be hitting the Xbox 180 just as much as the uh, yes, the PS4. They, yes, they will. But it was smart of them to have those announcements at their press conference because yeah, it's true. Just like Microsoft wanted to have Call of Duty and Madden, because that's their demographic, it was smart of them to have those um, there, because Call of Duty's going to come out for PS4. Um, now, Titanfall isn't, but it's going to come out on 360, so I'll actually be able to play it if I want to. Um, but will it come with the cloud? Uh, it, um, it'll come without me saves? having to connect. Uh, so there's that. But really, Sony's press conference, you know, that that was the important part. The important part was the amazing beatdown Sony then served soon afterwards. The uh, the YouTube uh, used video uh, games tutorial? Well, the whole thing where Jack Tritton comes up and just starts beating the Microsoft message mercilessly. 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 You can do all the stuff that you can already do. We're not going to fuck with you. Um, that that was pretty terrific. Um, and it, th- there is a very visceral reaction in that audience, which is not something you see often uh, in the E3 conference. You know, it's usually reserved for that that uh, time that they sh- uh, showed Twilight Princess and people got way too excited about it because Link looked realistic um, and, pe- and grown men were crying. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, and then Grown Men Were Crying when they them? actually played the game. I don't remember that. Yeah. because People, people hated it because he was realistic? No, people hated hated Wind Waker. Oh. And they were crying because, you know, it's like, oh my god, this is the Zelda game I wanted all along. And I and Wind Waker is far and away the best of the 3D uh, Zelda games. I, I like well, Twilight Princess. It, 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 was, it was acceptable seeing as... You, you uh, would, Wolf. The last game I uh, liked was uh, Link to the Past. Or... Well, 
into the past. Yes. Zelda has this. Zelda has this really weird, like, way of people experiencing it because what will happen is the new Zelda will get announced. Everyone's like, "Well, that one probably look okay." The one right before it was pretty good. I, I like that. I, I, the new no, Zelda. I don't. I don't think that way at all. I don't think that Ocarina was good. I didn't like Majora's Mask. I didn't. I, okay. I, well, I, you're, I'm you're, not even you're a special to... snowflake. I know. No, I, I think it has to do. <laughs> I think but, it has to do with the generation you got into it. Yes. It, it, I, like people Large who part. love Link to the Past were probably younger than, or not Link to the Past, Ocarina were probably younger than I was when Most that game people, came out. Not all of them, but. but I've just noticed that you know when Wind Waker came out, everyone complained that it looked it looked really toony and stuff. Okay, and everyone was really down on it. And it came out, and people were down on it. But then Twilight Prince was announced, and there was a lot of people, yes, who were like, "Oh man, realistic Link." But then a lot of people they went back and went, you know, I actually kind of liked Toon Link. That was kind of cool. That was that was kind of neat. And I really liked Wind Waker, and suddenly Wind Waker had a whole lot of fans. Whereas after Twilight Princess came out, Twilight Princess started getting derided. So what you're saying is the whole, like, its biggest fans are just reactionary. Like, you yes. give them something and they will decide that they like the last thing better. Yes, right. and then and everyone will talk about how much they love Skyward Sword, even though nobody loved it. Like, even uh, once the new I, comes out. I just stopped playing Skyward Sword, honestly. I like, but, not just, but I completely, at uh, some point. Watch it, but it's going to happen, though. People are going to, as soon as that new Zelda's announced. Sp- speaking of which... um, uh, we we really need to get back on track with this Sony thing, but you know, uh, talking about uh, Square using one of their break in case of uh, emergency uh, bullets. Uh, Nintendo did that with Link to the Past too. But anyway, um, which I I disagree. But let's well we'll uh, wait till Nintendo get, finish up. Yeah. Son, going back to the whole Microsoft. Xbox 180 thing. Um, they they just got their ass handed to them at E3, and so um, last week uh, Microsoft came out and said, "Hey guys, we're changing uh, our policies regarding uh, the the DRM for disc-based games. You're no longer required to uh, check into the internet once every 24 hours. You know you're going to download the patch uh, on day one." Uh, ironically, that's going to take care of all the problems so you don't have to be checked in every day, which still doesn't help people with uh, no inter- internet connection whatsoever because you, you have to download the patch. But uh, I'm sure there'll be a new edition of the Xbox come out. Eventually. Some... Okay, well, or they will well, probably have it on disc at some point. that you can. Well, what, what we don't know is if, what, if they're looking for a one-time online setup. Like, that might be what they're actually trying to do. And they're saying it's a patch, and, you, and it's and they're including the patch as a part of the setup. So I'm wondering if this actually still is a case of they still want to lock something down via the internet with that console before you use it. They may. Um, and that's just a case, again, we don't know. It may just be like their live integration type stuff. Like, the, you know, how your 360 account is a live account, how Windows 8 prompts you to log in with a live account by default, that sort of thing. Um, but it's funny because there have been... Uh, I've seen several articles talking about how this is a mistake by Microsoft, how they should have stuck to their guns, because the theory, and and this is something we've discussed before in terms of um, digital distribution, uh, the theory was that 
they're going to make Steam for consoles by having all this DRM, which would free them up to do other things like, you know, share games with up to 10 people and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, then they could start building it uh, in such a way where you can start locking out, you know, GameStop and Amazon and Walmart and all these big retailers and more of the money's going to game uh, developers and all this stuff. That sounds well and good in practice, but as I have said, timeless, uh, uh, countless times before, not timeless, uh, countless times before, that the way to do that, the way to get your, your cake and eat it too in terms of DRM and digital distri distribution and having a Steam-like environment is when the game comes out, you know, on Sony, you know, like when The Last of Us came out, you could buy it day one, digitally, download it right to your PS3 for $60. And there's the problem. Yeah. Um, Basically... Yeah, there, there's, there's no impetus for me to pay $60 and not have the physical copy of the disc that I can sell back, I can hand over to somebody else, um... I can take back to the store and demand my money back if I think it sucks uh, and just complain to the manager at Walmart. Um, but I, I feel what they could have done is what they pretty much did was they were like, they had said, we're going to do all these awesome digital things and you'll be able to share games, maybe with 10 people, with 10 people, maybe they're demos, maybe they're not. They didn't really clarify that. But what they ended up doing was like, all right, guys, discs or whatever, we don't care. So now we're taking all our toys and going home. Well, and what, what I feel is what they should have done was if they wanted to do this whole digital future thing, fine. Everything you buy on disc operates as if you bought it on disc and that doesn't change. However, for any games you bought digitally, as the benefit for buying it digitally, all our digital stuff you applies. You can share it up with... With up to 10 people. Ten people. And that opens up a, a whole other thing of, you know, a game comes out at $60, I can't afford it. So, you know, maybe I want it, maybe Dylan wants it, maybe Charlie wants it, maybe you want it. We all throw in, you know, 15 bucks a piece, and boom, we've got, you know, this new game that came out for $15, and we all have a copy. Well, yeah, but but you don't. We also don't know how they were going to handle it. Like, you know, some people were saying that only one person can play, play at a time. At a time right. Some people were saying only two people could play at a time. Like there was, again, it was a case of there wasn't actual solid information about it, except for like a bullet point, and that's not enough for people. And if you're going to tell us something that's requiring our money, we need to know what you're actually trying to do with it. And the problem with Microsoft or really any console developer at this point creating a better Steam model is none of them have built anything approaching the actual Steam model that exists now. Like, they need to do that before people will trust them with, um, you know, the digital future or whatever. Um, you know, sharing games and all that. Yeah, it, but again, it, it's, it's one of those... Now that... PlayStation Plus is going that online gaming is going to be behind the PlayStation Plus paywall, which eh, kind of sucks. But maybe they'll turn it uh, into something that's not the godless Wild West that PSN is now, um, where you have cheaters and people 
harassing you constantly and no real effective way of uh, dealing with it because you can't report anybody. And there's a limit to the number of people that you can block, and I have long since exceeded that limit. Um, maybe there will be some nice features with that. But I also don't mind too much because PlayStation Plus has already proven itself to be a good place to get deals on digital games. And you get the free games every month and all that. I don't subscribe to it presently because um, I just have a real aversion to doing monthly subscription stuff. But uh, Then save the money and buy the $50 card for the year. Right. And and that's that's what I did for Xbox Live, although with Xbox One, I'm I'm not sure I'll get one at least for a long time. Yeah, Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I'll... I'll probably buy a PS4 sooner. I don't know how soon because it'll probably be around the time Metal Gear Solid Five comes out or something else I really want comes out. But I'm getting one at launch. No, because there's nothing I want to play at launch. Well, also, I'm getting one. At oh, launch. you're getting one at launch. Like because they, it's not really a bad. I can't say it's a bad decision because four hundred dollars isn't a bad price tag. I mean, you know, sooner or later. Later, it'll probably drop to three hundred. It'll probably be a few years. Well, that I feel that is where like Sony still has like the ace up their sleeve that Microsoft doesn't have with the Xbox One is that the PS4 is four hundred bucks, the Xbox One is five hundred bucks. And even if yes, it doesn't come the... with the camera or move or anything, you know, I don't know that if it didn't come with Connect, I would consider that a huge loss. Well, yeah, like I, I have no. Like, I, I initially tried to buy into the Kool-Aid of Connect. I bought one. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do Connect. I have the room. I have the space. I'm going to buy games. And then I never used it. Never, ever. Even for, like, the one or two games I bought for it. I just didn't bother. And I just do not see that happening with this new Connect either. Nope. Because developers aren't really willing to support it in the way that Microsoft wants them to. And that's kind of where we're at with those sort of peripherals. Um, of course, you know, with the connecting every Xbox One, that does give developers a way more incentive to actually do so. Because yeah, I know, at least with that skew, there is one in every with, every, with, with every console. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, well, people will buy them if developers will use them more. Well, developers will use them more if they know people will buy the games. But let's be honest, it's it's a gimmick, and nobody seems to know what to do with it yet. I haven't seen it implemented into, like, a core game very well. I, I could I could probably just, well, they should have given them to the indie developers, but no, I don't know that we would no. have seen anything better. No, you wouldn't have. Xbox Live. You and... wouldn't have. Let's, and, st- let's stop with that. And, and Dylan, Microsoft doesn't care about you anymore. No, at all. Sony does. At all. Like, Sony does. Nintendo does. I, I, until they have an actual, not, not, when, because when you say the word (laughs) self-publishing, self-publishing is basically a Rorschach test. Like, some people think that means you can publish without a, a publisher, but you have to have some agreement with, you know, either Sony or Microsoft, and they have to, to have, you know, they have to hand-select the developers. And then they're and, self-publishing, like, Xbox Live Indie Games, which is yeah, a godless place. Android, really. It's a den of iniquity, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
if, but at least if, Sony and Nintendo want you. Yes. Like they're willing to, you know, go like, all right, here's our low requirements for a license. You know, take it and go and be free. If 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 they opened it up to a hobbyist, like yes, I would snap up a Wii U or a PS4. You know, no questions asked, just because that would be something neat to play with. But now, have you looked into how what it would take to get a license for for Sony or Nintendo? I have not, because I know I am never going to develop anything that is going to make it worth it. I'm not like if I was in like in process building a game, then yes, I would. I would that I thought was going to be like an actually really well-polished game, then I might think about it. But at this point, no, I haven't. Um, but I, I I found it all very interesting. Um, but Microsoft can still do all this stuff. But again, I, I thought it was interesting that they took a, a page out of Sony's playbook for Xbox Live for a change and, did, and have started doing the free... Uh, downloadable games every month. Yeah. Starting with Fable 3. Uh, I think next month is Assassin's Creed 2 and something else. I don't know. It's, uh, Halo 3, I think. I feel like they're going to be pushing, like, even if we don't get that magical digital future, hopefully we will see something more like Steam in the the vein of pricing and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and... You see that to an extent with PlayStation Plus right now, um, and even on Xbox Live some. Which, by the way, um, I'm not sure when this will be up. Hopefully, it, hopefully the uh, Sega sale is still going on on uh, Xbox Live because uh, it, people need to download Guardian Heroes. It just needs to happen because that's on sale. I, we, I, did, we did a video, and it's great. I saw your tweet, and I'm like. I don't know, because I've just been looking at the GOG sale like earlier this week, and like, no, I have too many unplayed games on it's my like, GOG. It's like it's $5, and it takes 20 minutes to play through that game, and you can play through it an infinite number of ways. I already own it on my Sega Saturn. Well, that's fine if you've got one handy, but most people didn't even buy that game when uh, Saturn was a thing. I already own it on Xbox. It's, 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 I was just messing with you. I, I had it on Sega Saturn, and I bought it again, because it was uh, HD upscale. They even uh, had a new version of the game, which was interesting, that fixed a lot of the broken stuff. Of course, it's sad, because I really wish they put that on, on PlayStation now, I because I probably am going to actually, in, in the end, trade in my 360. I don't know that I'll trade in my 360. I'll probably keep it. I just won't upgrade to Xbox One for, like I said, for a long time. Well, for me, yeah. it's a case of I only have so many HDMI ports on my TV. And something is, in fact, got to go when the PS4 comes in. And right now, I only have the one TV, so there's no real reason for me to shelve my my 360 because right now aside from that and maybe a couple of the multiplayer games that I might play one day I have right now I have no reason to own an Xbox I have played everything that I want to play on the Xbox that's exclusive to Xbox 
Exclusive is a weird term anymore, because even Mass Effect was an Xbox exclusive, and then it wasn't. Well, I play on PC. I play that on PC. Right. So even even that isn't really, you know. I don't even really count that as exclusive because if I can play it on PC, I'm I'm honestly I'm good. Usually, when they talk about exclusives, especially it's, with it's PC, like to a, con- a console. particular yeah. console, yeah, they'll make a PC version if they want to. Um, Nintendo. Uh, I know Basil's going to disagree with me on this because he loves Nintendo, and I I not, want to love it, but it, DK it, Donkey Kong is here again. Um, I think I would love Nintendo more, like especially the the E3 announcements, like if there was more stuff on the Wii U instead of the 3DS, because I don't want a handheld console. They announced a pretty decent amount for Wii U. They did, but a lot of the games that I would be like. The new Link to the Past game, you know, th- things that would appeal to me. That that, well, should, things... that should be an eShop game, right? You should be I'm, able to play that on the Wii U. I'm not saying Nintendo is bad. I'm not. Not. Well, I'm not trying to take anything away from you, Basil. No, well, the thing is, the, the Link to the Past thing was actually something that was mentioned, like when the 3DS first came out, where the whole when they were starting to do like the 3D classics. Where they were remaking like old Nintendo games, but adding like the 3D like parallax to it, so yeah. suddenly like it, it gave just a little more depth, which made them interesting to play. And you know, Miyamoto had mentioned that I think I would like to try Link to the Past in the same sort of view, same sort of thing. And it really you know strikes me as I think they started working on that, and he probably started having ideas for it, and were like. Well, let's just spin this out to its, its its own game. And I think that's why we're seeing that game on the 3DS. I don't think it's a it's a silver bullet this time. I just think this was Miyamoto being Miyamoto and we just happen to get something great out of it. Interesting cuz I did think it was weird that it was like out of nowhere really. But that makes sense. Like I really do think it was a pet project of his that that spun out of control into ho- hopefully something amazing. Which you know some of the best things from Nintendo is, is that's what happens, is that someone Nintendo has I have an idea, and they spin it out into a game, and they're like oh man that was a good game, like that's how WarioWare got started, that's how Rhythm Heaven got started, or even stuff like uh, Pushmo or Crashmo also on the 3DS. Were awesome little puzzle games that you know someone just had this idea and they let them spin it out into a real new thing. Which I agree that stuff like that is what the Wii U needs. The Wii U needs someone to take neat and novel and interesting ideas of that gamepad and TV integration and spin those out into actual games and give you those games to play. Like that would be the best thing ever. But yeah, right now I'll take F Zero by way of Mario Kart. I'll take extra pretty Donkey Kong. I'll take Nyan Nyan Mario. I'll take that. I'll take Cat Mario. He's adorable. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That That is adorable. Um... And that is a case of Nintendo taking like an th- idea they had on 3DS and, in fact, moving that to Wii U. Like uh, it... they did all those years ago with Four Swords. And, uh, you know, having having a game on one screen while you're playing it on another screen. It's almost like 
uh, it, the Game that, Boy Advance and the GameCube uh, well, came Ninten- back from the dead. Well, yeah, that was called connectivity. What? Yeah. And that's something that Nintendo has had ideas with. I mean, this is something that, you know, is, you're right, this is not new. Nintendo's been trying to force you to deal with two screens on a on a, on a TV and, and something that's on a TV for years now. They just finally went full force and, you know, went whole hog, pardon the Hamacon pun, and, and went for it. Unfortunately, um, they missed an opportunity by using a proprietary controller uh, for the second display instead of using a smartphone, which I think would have been far more successful for them. Yep. Um, but that's... I, I don't know. That's just like not the way Nintendo tends to do things. Well, I, I understand that, but I'm saying that... And it's I want my buttons. Yeah, and it's not a horrible choice because, for example... You're never going to see smart glass do anything like that. And the PlayStation is going to require that you have a Vita. So that's kind of a secondary. Well, they, they're not doing. Thing you may or may not buy. The Vita is, is, is copying the Wii U in that, yeah, you can play it on a screen that's not your TV screen. But they're not doing the, here's a screen, here's another screen. Um, stuff is going on this screen that's not going on on that screen sort of thing. And I don't and, see why the... Well, never mind. I was going to say something, but it's going to be stupid. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's nice to know that you're still there, Charlie. Yes. We, we still love you. I still and, agree. And, and I, I am just kind of sad that of all the, a lot of things that Nintendo did show were all things that could have been done on any other console. Like, they didn't really show much of the way of stuff that would be really interesting with the gamepad and the TV. No, mm-hmm. and and uh, again, this is uh, something we've been talking about for 15 years. Uh, longer than that. When did the, the 64 come out? 96? We've, we've been talking for a while now about nobody's developing for these, for these Nintendo consoles. If more developers were on board, um, we might see some interesting concepts with that. But um, e- even... Um, during their Nintendo Direct uh, stream, which was shitty and had to go back and watch the YouTube video of. Um, and why didn't they just release the YouTube video? It seems like that'd be less of a problem. Um, they they had very little in the way of third-party development. It's like, here's all the uh, developers we or here's all the games we have from third parties in development it's like 14 games or something <laughs> not not a large number mm-hmm. um and the other thing that i found absolutely puzzling and and i can't i i can't even be nice about it is how they didn't uh announce a price drop because everybody suspected that Sony was going to come in at $400, the Wii U is $350, and it's it's just not smart business right now for them to be that close uh, to the PS4 price point, because they're essentially getting outcosted by Sony, and that was how Nintendo did so well with the original Wii, was by being so far below the price of everybody else. You can't You can't let Sony do that to you. I would say wait. 
I I I would say wait. We, we had this conversation, I think, on Twitter, Basil. You said, you know, there's no point in doing, or maybe I had it with somebody else. So I don't. Well, remember, no, no. But... Okay, I agree. Like, if Sony had also introduced their price point at five hundred, Nintendo would be fine as far as their price point goes. However, Nintendo needs to, you know, create a baseline skew that's now three hundred bucks and not three fifty at the very least. Yes. And what I'm saying is wait. Somebody said, um, I don't remember if it was you, Basil, or somebody else, said it doesn't make sense. I think it was somebody else. It doesn't make sense for Nintendo to do it until they have more games that people want to buy. And so I'm like, so what, they're not going to drop the price until, you know, 2015 or something? Like, no, no. Well, A, I, I feel that they'll have good games coming out before the end of the year. But Nintendo B, will. Nobody else will. Well, I, that's all I care about, honestly. Because when you it's, buy a when you buy a Nintendo system, you're buying Nintendo systems for Nintendo games. That, that's like that's it not or what, lump it. Yep. That's not it's, what I buy a, a a console for. It. Well, no, that's why you buy a Nintendo console. I, Nintendo's I, like not like everybody else. Nintendo is its own special snowflake, I, just I, like you. I will not support <laughs> them. Um, I I I I kind of if that's the way it's going to be for Nintendo from now on. And it seems like it is because that's the way it's been for almost twenty years. I almost just want them to go the way of Sega and just start making games for for other people's consoles. Hey, hey, John, John, Nintendo does not care about third party uh, exclusives. They don't care what it's an obscure business model. You probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> yes, they don't. They don't care about anything like common sense or third party developers. Well, I, I felt this is a case of you know Nintendo is unfortunately just not going to succeed in this. Because yeah. I think the stigmata where third-party games do not sell Nintendo consoles has now been around so long, I don't see how anything's going to buck that trend. And well, it's, and it's one the third-party guys just a they're not willing to develop for Nintendo consoles anymore. And right now, the the Wii U isn't selling because there's not enough Nintendo games. And once it gets a you know a critical mass of awesome Nintendo games, the third parties are like, well, we're not going to put our games on it because all it is just a bunch of Nintendo games. And that's that's kind of the problem is Nintendo wants to be, uh, they want to separate themselves in the console market because, in a lot of respects, there's not a lot of differentiation between PS3 and Xbox 360 because of the way that um, multi-platform games for th third parties work but unfortunately if you want to compete you have to have those games it's it's just a fact well and nintendo i don't know that nintendo can sustain a console forever on its own they've done very they've done better than i would give them would have given them credit for um but I'll, they've I'll done it for they've done it for over a decade now uh well, i I'll be honest, you know, as much as I love these franchises, these 3D um, Mario and Zelda games are getting a little long in the tooth for me. Uh, you know, when when I see a new Zelda, I'm not really that excited because it, even with, you know, a, a HD graphic coat of paint, it's going to look and play a lot like um, every 3D Zelda game has, and... While I understand with the franchise there's certain things that you expect and you can't you can't Zelda two every time. You can't uh go out and do uh, a DMC either. You can't go 
so far out that the franchise becomes almost unrecognizable and you alienate people. Um, but there still needs to be some innovation there on top of the things that people like about those franchises. And I don't know that they've done a, a very good job about bringing these games into places that we haven't seen before since they went 3D, with the exception of Mario Galaxy, which I thought but, was was a very interesting game. I think Mario Galaxy, I think Mario 3D Land was all, on 3DS was also a really interesting take on Mario. Like, which I guess you probably didn't play because you don't own a 3DS. No, but Mar- so. Mario 3D World looks fun, but it, it, it looks it looks like a bigger version of you know, like a, a Super Mario sixty four ish. But how it, is that different from Galaxy? Galaxy, just the level designs were were very interesting and different. And I feel that you know, I would say wait till three D land three D Mario World comes out because Mario three D Land's level designs were also really interesting. I'll 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 take your word for that because like like you said, I don't have a three D S, so I haven't played it. But I, I don't know. Like it, it didn't, it didn't grab me. But we'll see. You know, Zelda. I can't comment too much because I'm honestly more of a Mario guy than a Zelda guy. Although I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with um, the next Zelda, since the ne- since the previous Zelda, you know, Skyward Sword, its big things was the actual motion controls to you know the sword swinging, and th- there's other things they could probably make use of as the as a stamina as a stamina meter. And like the open sky world that you could use to fly around, but yeah, there's stuff that they can take and you know increase and keep moving in different directions. Because uh, Anoma or whatever his name is, guy actually you know is in charge of Zelda. The one thing he keeps going is, guys, yes, I know we got to be different. Yeah, I really, really, I know. And it felt to me that Skyward Sword was taking steps ahead to try and start breaking things off from previous Zeldas. And this is also the same guy who did give us Majora's Mask, which is like the most different Zelda since Zelda Two. So it could happen. I don't. I don't know because again, Zelda is not really my thing. But I think Nintendo, unfortunately, has you know, has gotten them stuck in a, in a self perpetuating rut where people won't buy the system until they buy it until they come up with tons of Nintendo games. And then third parties will go like, well, why should we even bother competing? It's only going to sell Nintendo games. And I really don't know how Nintendo can get themselves out of that because Nintendo tried. In fact, they were one of the things that they even said was we didn't put that many first party games out when the Wii U launched. A was because we didn't realize how hard HD development was. And B, we wanted to leave a gap that the third parties could fill and it didn't work. Um. So I, I really don't know what their solution is, except now to go, well, people are buying it for Nintendo stuff. We might as well go whole hog and give people awesome Nintendo stuff. Uh, I don't know. I I just have so many questions for Nintendo that I don't know that I'll ever have answers to. Um, but we'll see. Um I, I still think there there are solutions. Uh, I think I think Metroid um has really gone unexplored since, um, basically since Super Metroid. I know they did the Met- Metroid Prime games and they've done the first-person shooter thing. 
And honestly, I know a lot of people love those games. I never want to see another first-person shooter Metroid ever again. Because the first-person shooter genre has gone just about everywhere it can go. With maybe one or you know one or two surprises left in that in that uh, genre. Well, I actually felt I felt that Metroid was one of those surprises. Yes. Like because what they did with it, they literally you know for me they turned Metroid almost into like a Legend of Zelda with shooting, only it was Metroid in first person. Yeah. Like it, it really did feel me. It, it felt to me the same jump you had from Link to the Past to Ocarina of Time that you got from say Super Metroid to the first Metroid Prime. Now, I can't play first-person games, so it did me no good. But from what I could play of it when I actually tried playing it, it really felt like it was a major jump for the series. And you're right, I really feel like you do way more of, with Metroid. I feel they also do way more of Star Fox. Yes. Yeah. Like, the problem is, is that the last Metroid game, Other M, was like the one of the most universally pan-Nintendo games since Wii Music. <laughs> and yeah, like again, they... I said that the the story is what hamstrung that game. The gameplay itself, aside from mm-hmm. the stupid mm-hmm. missile control, was actually really good. Well, it's like they've got all of these games that they could do new things with, but a lot of them have, you know, 20-something years of history, and you have to be very careful about the way you do new stuff. Here's the thing, though. Nintendo doesn't care what anybody else thinks anyway. Why don't they just go for it? I... I, I mean, they clearly don't give a shit. They should They should just go ahead and make the Metroid game they want to make as long as it's not um, the other co-creator of Metroid running the show. Because he, he had his swipe at the Apple, and we all know he can't do it. Just, well, just let Miyamoto in. Just say, okay, Miyamoto, we, we, we love you. We know you're a genius, and we like to give you creativity. But you're working on Metroid now, and you're not leaving this room until you give us a Metroid game. We, we will bring you food. We will bring you people. <laughs> but you're, you're not leaving until we have a Metroid game. Wait, is he eating the people? Yes, he's okay. eating the people. That's, that's how he survives. <laughs> He eats Just their like brain and gains their knowledge. Uh, he, he is an actual <laughs> factual Metroid. Um, the, the game is based on him. <laughs> and, in fact, at some point, some blonde woman named Sam's like, My baby! My baby! <laughs> so oh, my the baby. government came and took his baby. <laughs> um, wow. Oh... I'm sad Burnout is in its final season. <laughs> it's it's probably better that a show does not go on. For it is seasons. It is. They they've ran out of places to go. Um, I I still haven't seen any of the new season yet. I'm not a hundred percent sure where they're going with it yet. Um, but um, don't care. Give that money to more white collar. I I did not watch hardly any of the last season of White Collar, which makes me sad because I really did enjoy that show. But when they brought in Neil Caffrey's dad, I was out. I was just right the hell out. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up actually when they, I wasn't sure until they finally got to the end of that story arc to end that season on. That's that's when I was like, okay. Like I, I, 
unlike Burnos, I don't watch White Collar to have this sort of big overarching storyline. I watch it f- to be a buddy show, to be like, you yeah. know, I, I watch I watch it for Neil and Peter, and that's and and, and Tiffany Amberthiesen because I grew up when Saved by the Bell is on, and that's all I really care about is is you know like that that core cast of characters interacting with each other i don't want you to bring in neil caffrey's dad into this and then have all these other random people start showing up ah, just, just well stop. yeah but i also kind of want character growth and i feel unless you you give some people reasons to for reasons to for those characters to grow it, it's not going to happen now do they have to use neil caffrey's dad to do it no they could have chosen other ways of getting around that. I wonder if I said mm-hmm. Neil Kaplan by mistake. I think he might have. Shout outs to Neil but, Kaplan. He's still the best. He still is. But how they ended it, with how they're handling his father, I felt was really neat. And I can't wait to see the next season. Yeah. Well, we'll when we'll is it see. coming back? I don't know. At some Probably point. in the fall, I would imagine. Probably after right after Burnus goes on its uh, summer break, its hiatus. Mm. You'll probably start seeing promos for it here after we record this podcast, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Um, God, we've been going on for about two hours. Yes, now. we have. Is, is there anything else we want to we wanna bring up uh, before we get off and start packing our bags for station con where we'll do this shit again but we'll probably do it there yeah with 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 the same group in person talking about all the stuff we did (laughs) but we'll be way more tired which means it'll be way more awesome true we better be way more drunk too I, i will talk more during the actual convention piece since i won't be you know actually a part of the convention so i can actually talk about it more yes the reason, let's just be honest. The reason you didn't talk about Hamicon is because you weren't actually there. You you had the fake basil. He was, he was literally in two places at once. Yeah, man, it's so confusing because the other guy <laughs> is so lame. He's so dumb. He, yeah. And I was like, it probably because I was trying to try to split myself. I'm like, like I was like the her 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 other basil. I got a camera. <laughs> <I'll> take <laughs> a picture. I hope he doesn't listen to this. But, I hope he does other me. I'm sure he's gonna listen to this. <laughs> Let's just oh, be honest. He looked, I hope he, he has a sense of humor. Then he looked the part of Basil, but his his inner self, his soul was was could not even come close to matching. It was it was sad. Oh man! And then I was talking to that other guy, you know, just a, a week or two ago. He was like, "Oh yeah," and he t- I saw Tom Friends like, "Yeah, that guy was gonna show me some sweet martial art moves." Wait, and other Basil or not? Other not Basil, Basil was going to show him some sweet martial art moves. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. I'm so lucky. I can't imagine or... that coming <laughs> Well, yeah, you're right, because he looked a lot like me. Let me tell you, people, you saw me. I don't do sweet martial art moves. <laughs> I don't well, do them at all. He seemed very quiet. He did not seem like the type of person who would ever say sweet martial arts. <laughs> but apparently he was. Oh, Unless there is in fact a third alternate me that oh, apparently no. does take pictures and also knows sweet martial arts moves. Hey. But no, I could totally see the guy like, yeah, let me take a picture, man, dude. Later, I'll show you some some sweet martial art moves, man. I know I know sweet Thanks, martial please. arts. Like, you it's, start off. It's so sweet. It's like you like add some sugar to it and you punch and man, it's so sweet. Please please start offering to teach people sweet martial arts moves. <laughs> 
Please, if you die, but that's cool. I got some Nucha Sweep moves. It's cool too. No way, no way. I get it's so Splenda. It's it's great. Uh, that's gonna be added <laughs> to the Basil uh, panel roster. Sweet Ninja moves. <laughs> oh. That might be what you call your new recommendation panel. <laughs> Basil show you some sweet martial art moves. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get people that show up and are very disappointed. <laughs> Just no, like they do for this podcast every time. I, I, I think that should be a panel. I'm not sure what it should be, but it should be uh, 105 The Bay's uh, Presents Sweet Martial Arts Move. <laughs> well, that, that might be an audio thing that we might need to look into. Yes. I'm just saying, if we use a name like that, we could conceivably... All just sit around doing this, and God, we need we need to work. We need to we we need, during station concert. We need to get down. We need to start workshopping this. Workshopping it. One hundred five. The bays. Like we need to start. You know, getting our act together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Have a station Ooh. on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so, so should I? Now you've got the fancy mic too. I was gonna say I'll bring my like. Like sweet vocal mic setup. Sweet. I now the barrier has been broken for the word sweet, so I felt like Se- I had to use it. The seal it. has been broken. Well, it's like when you're playing uh, spades. You know, you can't lead with spades until someone. Someone, please start using ballin' so I can start using that nonstop. Well, you just I did. Did. Yo, no, 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 Everything is now balling. Thank you. You're welcome. So those are some sweet balling martial arts moves. Our, our, our sweets were pretty balling. Although, although Jess apparently had the most baller sweet. It's you. Yeah, Have you got it's... her on the mic to talk about poop yet? No. She she the has poop not is very important. She went to E3. Is she going to be at Station Con? Uh, yeah, ostensibly. Let's just be honest. Jess is like the Sasquatch of podcasting. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one grainy bit of audio somewhere of Jess, I'm sure, but no one has ever managed to capture her on audio. I've she was on Anime Channel eyes. or whatever. No, she wasn't. Was it? No, yeah, she whatever. Wasn't. Richie's. No, no, she wasn't. No, that did not happen. You've ruined the legend. No, we were there. Well, fuck no, we weren't. She was you, mad that we didn't. Uh... You yeah. remember her giving you crap that, that she wasn't yeah, she on was our show. Yeah, she was giving crap until I said, yeah, weren't you a no-show like five times? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh. Because uh, apparently she completely forgot about that. She's just laying into me about, well, when, am I, when do I get to be on the podcast? I don't know. When you finally show up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You gonna take that, Jess? You gonna uh, do it? You gonna take crap, that? What? I'll, I'll I'll break out my sweet ballin' martial arts move. <laughs> Dang! The ballin' gauntlet has been sweetly thrown. <laughs> Dang. What? I don't know. I'm just I'm Charlie just stitching together. I'm just stitching together random words. Charlie's at this got point. swag now. TM87. Yep. Oh, over everything. <laughs> What's up with the Sundere? But speaker so burst. Jazz speed, the one that be rocking. Depends. 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 Depends.
Making me hard. <laughs> oh, girl, you got the. <laughs> oh, rifle bursts. Taking it off my shirt. About to make these rifles. Burst. All right, guys. Like, all right, out in the world, everyone out in the world, realize that Joseph on deck lives in Mississippi. And there's about to be an anime con in Mississippi called MyCon. He could be a guest at their con, but it takes you, you all two people out there listening, <laughs> to make that happen. That means you, Doc and Patrick. Let's go. That's right. So how do we make that happen? We need to talk, tell MyCon that we demand Joseph on deck <laughs> as their musical guest. <laughs> Are you trying to ruin a rival convention? <laughs> yes. Are you Florida-ing these people? Wait, which which songs did he do? The Molly Over Everything. Okay. What up with like, the Sundere? The modern, the ultimate expression of modern anime fandom. He really is, is the mirror to ourselves in all ways. Look, <laughs> if we could, if if he would drive to Huntsville, we'd put him up at Hamacon. You probably don't want I would make it. I would. I make the pain trade pre, uh, you know, presents a musical special. Uh, underline pain train. Like it Double would. It would. Pain. Does, does he be, want it? Co-sponsor. Uh, Can we he... have Joseph on deck and uh, Hargay at Amicon next year? Oh, I can't afford Hargay. That required me flying over Japan. That's too much money. But what? What if he comes as part of the? What if we don't invite him? Can he just come anyway? And yes. Oh, no. He is more than welcome to show up. No, see, there's video. Yeah. He only shows up where he's not welcome, so you have to make him feel very unwelcome. Then he will show up to spite you. He can yeah. only show He can show up, but only in Homestuck Hobotown. <laughs> I, oh, man, I, think, I think he'd be willing would, to put out on his horns on. With, with oh, but then he'll try people. to make his own horns. That'd be all like spiked covered over the horns. And covered in rhinestones. Ah, that'd be that'd be that'd be mutimous. <laughs> leather no leather horns covered in studs. Wow. I I love I love hard gay so much. Let's... But no, seriously, we need to get Joseph on deck at more anime cons. At all I, anime I feel cons. he could be the Uncle Yo of the South. Is is he serious or is he being ironic? He I says... think he's being serious. Moe over everything. Wouldn't you have a disagreement with him on that point? Um, yes, but doesn't mean he's not amazing in his hey, own right. Listen, okay. Listen. If if you do not know about Dream Club, you have no right to speak of Japanese culture. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I if you don't know that there's a game where you can try and feed a banana to a girl with one eye who clearly has no depth perception, and this is obviously <laughs> a bad idea. So sincere. Oh, Mote Nashi, all right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, you you can show your Pokemon sincere Mote Nashi. Oh, man, like, I'm so looking forward to Club Pokemon. Oh, my goodness. I, that, that was the first thing <laughs> I thought of was the you, pain you can, drain when I saw the you Pokemon can, You can trailer. pet Snorlax and, you know, feed them. So it's, it's, it's you pretty, can inappropriately touch boy. your Pokemon now. Thank God. I'm going to have to get a 3DS just for this Pokemon game so I can, uh, I can rub. You know, Pikachu in the crotch. And show him <laughs> sincere Omotenashi? Yes! <laughs> but it's Dream Club Pokemon Edition. It's great. Uh, it's, why the, it's why the 3DS is the best console out right now. It I, really is. 
says Project Diva F is coming out for the PS3. Can we get Dream Club now? Can we do this? Can we make this happen? What is Project Diva F? Or do I want to know? It's a Vocaloid game. Well, no, that's that, that's that's done by Sega. I can't believe we're getting a Vocaloid game and not freaking Yakuza Five. What the shit? We're getting Saints we are, Row Four. That is not Yakuza. No, Yakuza Five. <laughs> Yakuza is like one of the best Japanese role playing game series that no one realizes is an amazing Japanese role playing game series. It is. It has random battles, stat growth. It really is. A single-player fighting game-esque like game like Tales, but you're dealing with like forty-year-old Japanese guys beating the hell out of each other. It's great. Oh, that does sound great. Like Yakuza uh, Four is probably is what I really, really got into, and I feel it's a pretty good because um, they have a bunch of new characters that, that they introduce into it. It's a pretty good way to start off the series, especially since you can watch. They include like movies. Of Yakuza's one, two, and three, so if you want to watch those to get the gist of the uh, story, but all the stories are like the Sopranos esque, like actual like intrigue with like Japanese Yakuza guys, and but the fighting system is very much a almost like a fighting game with like special moves and stuff. But you level up, you gain, you increase your stats and move sets like you would in, like say like Devil May Cry, um, and you have equipment and healing items. It's a role playing game. But it's an action one. Hmm. Like, Yakuza is awesome, and I'm really sad that we're. it looks like we're not getting Yakuza 5, because it looks even... It has all that, but then, like, dancing games with the, with the dude's daughter, where she's now becoming a pop idol. So it even has that. It even has the everything you'd want for both from both ends. Both the Dream Clubs and the the... the adult males beating the hell out of each it's, other. It's like a video game <laughs> DP. Yes. Getting it from both sides. Um, but, you're not selling this to me. <laughs> <laughs> but Yakuza 4 doesn't have that part. It only has the good part. So you should play Yakuza 4, Dylan. Then you're hooked, and then you have to play Yakuza 5. And that's <laughs> when you, you're loosening yourself up, you see. Ooh. So that you'll be able to take it. <laughs> see... My my problem gotta, is the metaphor. Yourself, yeah. My problem is the metaphor. Well, well then loosen up. Yeah, yeah, relax because it's gonna hurt worse. Speaking of of relax, it'll be over soon. Killer Instinct, guys. Everybody ready for Rare to fuck up another game? Uh, not, it's not even Rare. It's Double Helix. The guys who brought GI Joe. Uh huh. Retaliation uh, or whatever that video game was. L- listen, a I, game based on a uh, movie. Uh, uh, I, I yes. think it's I think it's great that Double I didn't Helix even know that movie had a game. Uh, Filthy Rich and some other people that you know from the fighting game community to work on this game, but that did not say PlayStation All Stars. Mm. Hey, hey! At least now you can actually have ter- a key to, uh, Killer Instinct tournaments at actual tournament places now. That that is true. Now that you don't have to check in every day, you can actually have Xbox One games at fighting game tournaments. Because let me tell you. The places that you want to have these big, you know, tournaments, you know, their infrastructure is not designed for internet. Uh, nor do they get the best reception for uh, 4G or even 3G. Like, that that would have been a death kneel to even try. Like, you'd have to, like, have everyone take all their Xbox Ones home, re- re-authenticate, and then bring them back to the convention center. Yep, and that's, <laughs> It'd be that's more work than it's worth. 
But uh, if we're finishing up, I do have a serious thing. Yes. It's not that serious, but it's, yeah, it's serious. My my game master, a guy named Sean Patrick Fannin, um, he has been working in the actual tabletop role-playing industry probably longer than any of us have been alive. Hmm. Um, he's done a lot of work. He's done work with Deadlands and a lot of his Savage World settings stuff. Oh, wow. And even, uh, I think, wrote one of the RPG Bibles or, or Game Master's Guides or something. Like, he's been in a lot. He's been in a while. Like, he is the dude's around. And he has his setting, his own sort of his magnum opus of settings. It's a fantasy series he's called Shintar. And he now has a Kickstarter out that he is kickstarting his, um, he's released the first book, which is like your basic, you know, if it was DD, like levels like one through 10 or one through 15. And he's now, re- he's doing a Kickstarter for his Legends Unleashed, which is like your epic gaming, like your high level gaming to it. And he's got a really neat fantasy world. It's very in-depth. And as I explained before on Twitter and stuff, it really, for me, it feels like Lord of the Rings meets Die Hard. And I'm not even joking. Hmm. Like, it's because he doesn't really do the dungeon crawl stuff. What he really wants is, like, the city intrigue and, like, the epic battles and this, you know, real good versus evil, like, you know, battle to save the cosmos stuff. Like, he doesn't know how... Everything is grand. Everything is, you know, not super heroic, but it's like, you know, it's it's very majestic. And it's a really, really fun game to play. It uses the Savage World system, which is also the same system that runs Deadlands. Mm. Um, and for most people, they don't, people really don't like playing like the high level stuff because it tends to get kind of broken at that end. But he's actually really, really thought things through and actually has a pretty good setup for stuff that, you know, that actually takes into account all the stuff that you could do if you're super badass. Including stuff like high magic and things. And, he, and he's got a really cute, really neat magic system and stuff to it that uh, I really, really like it. Um, and I'll make sure, John, I'll get you the link Please do. To, the, to the Kickstarter. Actually, uh, if you, even if you just go to Google... And misspell Shintar Kickstarter, it's like the first thing that comes up. But uh, I know one of the big things he's recently announced is that um, if enough people like link to it and post that they've linked to it, um, he's actually got one of his major cities that's going to be written up by Ed Greenwood, who is the the creator of Forgotten Realms. Apparently, he's one of Sean's buddies and was like, I want to write stuff for Shintar. And so Sean gave him, well, take this awesome city and make it even more awesome. And he's going to do it. And hey, you, you know, Sean, if, if, if you and your buddy Ed Greenwood want to come on the podcast and talk about this stuff, we'd love to have you. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. If you want to <laughs> talk to Sean, I can give you an email. That would be awesome. All right. I'll, I'll do that. Because we, we can definitely talk to him and uh, get some info and hopefully get him some exposure to, you know, both of our listeners and yeah yeah like but it's a really fun game and like he's he's asking for a ten thousand goal um and he immediately leaped up to like six thousand plus and it's sort of his immediately then hit a wall right and so uh, i'd like to sort of pass that wall so i can get these books because you know it's it's been really fun playing with him and experiencing like i've been playing in this world of his now for like i like, almost two years now and it's really fun. It's really fun. 
And I don't, I don't know if going to standard old D&D, I could do that anymore because the stuff that I get to get away with, like, is just awesome. <laughs> I I would love to play this game with him because I've done some crazy shit in D&D. I would, I would like to, to take a crack at that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, like, I, I'm trying to convince him. Like, I'm telling him he needs to go, you know, get, get into GMX. Like, he needs to go. Yes. Yes. That's like, a good but, venue oh, for him. It would be, it'd be a great venue for him. Um, he was actually one of their guests at Momocon this year for their gaming track. Yes. Um, so he is, he, has, he is actually a real person. I still tell people sometimes, no, I'm not joking. This guy really exists, and he really is a guy in the gaming industry and for the, on the tabletop side. He's really good. Shine Tower is really fun. And, you know, and also admittedly, he has no idea that I'm doing this either. Like, he has no clue I am shilling for him on this podcast. Awesome. Like, yeah, that well, is what no, he'd like have to be, be listening to the live stream to actually know that. <laughs> and 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 nobody's doing that. Like, well, that's that's okay. It's it's a lot of fun. So anyone listening, you know, I think it's like twenty five or thirty five bucks just to get the book, just to get the PDF. And he's doing things where if you like spend like sixty five, he's also going to throw in more like uh, world books. Because you only really need uh, Legends Arise and Legends Unleashed to play the game. But what he's doing is he's drawing out like tons and tons of world books that explains all the various cities and, and regions and stuff of Shintar. So if you really want to dig into the fiction of that world, you can really dig into the fiction of that world. And I should also point out that one of those books is actually going to feature a kingdom that I created in the game playing with him. That has now become so important that it's going to, you know, end up in one of his books. Oh, wow. So you bastard. I know it's awesome. So I, I do as you know, a director of awesome and a guy who ostensibly occasionally has an awesome cast. Like I can I can say that Shine Tar is, is quite awesome and you should totally check it out. Definitely will. Um, Basil, definitely want to thank you for uh, coming on. And, and of course, being uh, such a gracious and awesome host of uh, Hamicon, and uh, no problem, definitely, Anytime. definitely look forward to seeing you at uh, Session Con where we will drink, Session Con, uh, Session Con, where we'll drink and do all the drink. stuff that you do at Session Con, which is have an awesome time at Anime Con. Yep, Session Con, mm-hmm. there it is my. Come on, grab your friends. They're 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 one of my favorite cons ever. I can't say the most favorite. Because I'm biased. And otherwise, Mich- uh, Michelle would kill me, or Jess might kill me. I don't know at this point. Nico might kill me. You're Nico's beholden to too many special but interests. John. John. <laughs> nah, nah, John's kitty cat too. Lauren, now Lauren Knight, maybe she... They're aside to her. Right. Like the Animal Crossing villager in Smash Brothers. I sometimes <laughs> have seen her eyes gleam, and I'm scared. <laughs> and Will, you should be. But no, guys, it's always fun. Always fun. Always pleasure to chat about y'all with anything, including stuff that I may or may not have direct hands in. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to this super long-ass podcast. We're going to do another one here in a week, so we'll see you soon.